Welcome to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. Before we begin this episode, we would like to thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself as a pre-PT on your journey to becoming a future doctor of physical therapy. This episode has been sponsored by our Acceptance Navigator Series, which is a free four-part pre-PT video series where we teach you exactly how to take full control of your PT school acceptance journey, as well as how to find clarity and direction as a pre-PT so that you can dominate your application regardless of your GPA, GRE score, or fear of PT school rejection. Learn how to get into the driver's seat of your acceptance journey and not leave your acceptance to chance by shooting in the dark and hoping for the best as an applicant. This is the most value that we have given away and it's free. Take control of your pre-PT journey today by going to www.acceptancenavigator.com. That's www.acceptancenavigator.com. This episode has also been sponsored by our friends at ptschoolprobe.com. Listen to this. One of the biggest fatal application mistakes that thousands of PT school applicants make each year when applying to PT school is not applying to schools that are a perfect match for them. Partnering with our friends at PT School Probe has made that a problem of the past. As PT School Probe makes it extremely easy to plug in and enter what you're looking for in your ideal schools, and you will be immediately matched up with your perfect match DPT programs in the United States. To get matched and locked into your perfect DPT school programs, go to www.ptschoolprobe.com, www.ptschoolprobe.com, and use the code PREPTGRIND in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you there. That's PREPTGRIND for your code. This will save you hundreds of dollars in your application by helping you avoid throwing away money at the wrong schools and saving tens of thousands of dollars lost every year that you miss out on becoming a DPT. So go to www.ptschoolprobe, that's ptschoolprobe.com and use the code preptgrind in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you. And that's because we got you covered and we are excited to share this next episode with you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast episode. We look forward to serving you. Have a blast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pre-PT Grind, where we help you become the best Pre-PT applicant and student you can be. My name is Brianna Drapp, and I'm your host for today's faculty highlight interview. I'm excited to be on here today because we have the department chair of California State University, Fresno, aka Fresno State, Dr. Jenna Sodden-B, joining us to answer a few questions regarding their program. Thank you, Dr. Jenna, for taking time out of your day to chat with me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, we're going to, it's going to be great today. We're going to have a lot of fun. All right. So let's dive into the first question in five minutes or less. Tell me about what led you to the profession. Oh gosh, Brianna, it's, it's, I think a tale we've heard many, many times. It's when I was younger, probably in high school, I knew I wanted to help people. I just didn't know what that looked like. I was playing with, do I want to be a teacher? Do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be a nurse? And then I was an athlete and I got hurt and I found physical therapy. And it was one of those professions where everything just kind of rolled into exactly what I wanted to be. I got to learn about the human body. I got to see people, know people. 
I was in healthcare, but the biggest attraction I think was that piece of, I get to spend time with my patients. Uh, when I was talking to people about becoming a, a physician or a surgeon, they were like, get ready because you see your patient for about one or two minutes and that's what you do all day. And that's not where I saw myself. So physical therapy just opened the door to an ability to improve people's quality of life, improve how they move, improve how they function, and also get to be a part of that journey with them. And I think that's the biggest attraction is being there as they go through that journey and building relationships. Physical therapy is really special in that arena of healthcare that we have that ability to build that relationship. So it really is, I mean, there's no regret. There's without hesitation, I'll tell you, I have no regrets for choosing physical therapy. It has opened so many doors and provided me so many avenues that my career path is so fulfilled and, and I'm always learning. That's the other piece with physical therapy. I never stop learning. Uh, even in academia, I'm always learning new stuff. So love it. Um, I love that, you know, there's people that continue to pursue this as a profession and want to give back to their communities. I agree with everything you just said. I, I'm thinking about how I was in the clinic yesterday and I spent a whole 10 hour day there and that could have been absolutely miserable, but I was having like one, maybe two patients an hour and I was having a great time just hanging out. We're all just enjoying our time. And so definitely the aspect of spending the whole hour with your patient is so rewarding and it doesn't even feel like work because you're just like hanging out with someone, helping them get better. Oh, I, I agree hundred percent. It's, it's just as important, I think, to make that connection and laugh and feel relaxed as it is to, you know, see them get more range of motion in their shoulder. Both are so equally rewarding to me about, about physical therapy. I always tell people who are nervous to go into the clinic for the first time, I say, as long as the patient feels comfortable with you being around them, you can mess up within legal limits, obviously. So you forgot where your gony was, you're fine. You forgot the exercise, they're already comfortable with you. It's going to be fine. So that's my best piece of advice for working with people in the clinic. I 100% agree with you. Yep. It is those, you know, soft skills that make you, I think, an exceptional physical therapist. Yes. And I definitely think students should be highlighting that in their application as well. Yes. So going on to the application process, students put extra work into bettering certain parts of their application to be the best all-around applicant. Since every school values different aspects of the application, what would you say is an aspect of the application that you value the most or that catches your attention when seen on an application? Sure. I, I love this question because we do admissions counseling all the time. And the biggest thing for us here at Fresno State is we want a well-rounded individual. Uh, we, yes, we want strong grades. Yes, we'd like you to have volunteer hours. But the hidden piece, I think, in that is that we want some type of community outreach, some community engagement, um, volunteer work, or even a club, somewhere where you're able to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Maybe you have a leadership role if that's an on-campus club, if it's doing research maybe as an undergraduate with a faculty member in chemistry or physics, something beyond the classroom and the typical application. We really look at that quite heavily here at Fresno State. Our campus in and of itself is very big, in community service and community engagement, we have the Jan and Bud Richter Center, and it's for community engagement. And 
We just passed uh, 1.6 million hours donated of community service last year, even in the middle of a global health pandemic. So we really believe in that as, as a community here in the Central Valley of California, and we want our students to reflect that as well. So secret piece of information um, and showcase that. A lot of students are, are hesitant to, to say that maybe they volunteered for you know, a Parkinson's walk or they're a member of the Komen Breast Cancer and they help out at these events. This is your time to shine. Please list all of your volunteer work, all of your community engagement. That could separate you from someone else that doesn't have any. And that's really the kind of student we pay attention to here at Fresno State. All right, so since it's kind of weird right now with COVID, are students able to do campus visits? And if they are, there's a good chance to only see so much of the campus or program, especially since we're in COVID times right now. What are some of the things that are unique about your program that a student might not see on a tour, but rather only a student who's in the program would see or experience? This could include interprofessional opportunities, any sort of research or a specific form of teaching such as PBL. Sure, no, great question. And we at Fresno State, we're a, an open campus. So that means community can come onto our campus and take tours. They've just started those again. But you're right, you come onto our campus, you're just gonna see the periphery of buildings and maybe a sneak peek in a classroom. What you won't see, and I think what separates and makes Fresno State special is we have two very strong on-campus clinics where our students are integrated early in the curriculum so that we can really build on their clinical decision-making, their clinical reasoning, and their patient handling before they go out to a big formal um, summer internship. The first of those is called our Gate Balance and Mobility Clinic, where generally we're treating more of the older adult with mobility deficits. And that happens in the second year of our three-year program. And then our other on-site clinic is housed within the Student Health Center here at Fresno State. And we call it the Musculoskeletal Care Clinic. So our students, under the guidance of clinical instructors who are community physical therapists here in Fresno, they work one-on-one -on -one with the students that are referred for physical therapy here at Fresno State. And that occurs both, both in the first year of their um, academic plan, as well as in the third year. So they can kind of be introduced to it in their first year and then really master it in their third year. So there's some really rich learning experiences well beyond the classroom that a, a tour wouldn't showcase. The other piece I think they'd miss is we have a lab that has some amazing equipment with force plates in the ground. We've got uh, multiple treadmills, Vertec balance equipment. So we have an on-site lab where we collaborate with community partners. We've done work with Valley Children's Hospital and others here in the, in the Central Valley where we'll collaborate and they can bring their patients and we will test them and run them through a set protocol and connect with that physician or case manager. So those are probably the big things I think you'd miss on our tour, as well as being able to sneak a peek into our classrooms. Our building is fairly new. We opened in 2015. Uh, so we have all new tables, all uh, everything is still glistening and, and ready for the students. We have a dedicated student conference room. 
which has the necessities, three microwaves, a jumbo refrigerator, coffee makers, like you wouldn't believe, but it's dedicated just for students, um, not faculty, no one else. And that's a place where they can study, they can eat. And the beauty is they can interact with all three cohorts so that there's a nice blend. It's not, I'm a first year student. Oh, I'm too scared to talk to a, you know, a third year student. They are all in there talking and learning and just mentoring and there it is again building relationships which i think makes us really unique at fresno state that's awesome do you guys do like a big little kind of thing with your big brother little brother kind of thing we do and we don't we did before covid then covid hit and no last year we weren't on campus enough to do it this past year we had uh, last week we had our face-to-face -face orientation with our new cohort the second morning, we did a breakfast with the second and third year kind of executive officers, the presidents and vice presidents, they all came in and they talked with them and they started kind of building that connection and, and aligning people with mentors in the upper class. Yes. That's always nice. It's good to have that cohesion and mentorship, especially when you don't know what's going on the first year that you get in there. So actually, I do have another question. How many students do you guys take per cohort? Sure. We are relatively, I guess, small when you talk about PT programs. We admit 34 one time per year. So we admit in spring and we start um, that cohort in August the following term. So 34 per year, which is, I think, wonderful because it allows a really strong connection with your faculty and with your peers. Um, that's a big selling feature for a lot of people that come to our interviews is they feel like they belong, they feel like they're supported, and they feel like they have all those keys that they need for success. When I hear from other programs, and not, some are good and some are bad, it's just they, it's very large, and they feel like they get lost in the shuffle. And they were very attracted to what we had to offer here at Fresno State with our small size. You guys have a cohort of 34 people, which is good. Nice, even number to have pairs for lab assignments oh, yes. and stuff like that. Great. Um, so... For a student that is accepted into your program and is there for the next three years, you guys are a three-year program, right? Yes, we are. And is there for the next three years, what kind of resources do you provide them to put them in a position to help them succeed? This could include tutoring, mentoring other students, and faculty mentors. I know you kind of talked about this a little bit with mentoring other students. Uh, sure. It's a great, that's a great question. Um, Number one, when our students walk in the door, it, it is all about student success and it's all about giving them the tools they need to succeed for the next three years and become, you know, licensed physical therapist. The first day of orientation, they are introduced to their faculty mentor. Uh, they are assigned a faculty mentor, we'll call it a mentor, and they are required to meet with that faculty mentor at least once in the first semester. Oftentimes it well exceeds that one meeting um, so that they feel supported and they feel a connection early on, as well as that connection with the upperclassmen, the second and third year students. That's a big piece. We also have things outside of academics that makes Fresno State special. We recognize that tuition is high no matter where you go. In a lot of programs, food insecurity is, is a very real thing. And we saw some issues with students who didn't eat well because they couldn't afford to eat well. On campus here at Fresno State, there's something called the student cupboard where students can go once per day and with their ID card and get free groceries for that day. 
Um, their supply is random. Sometimes you get pasta, sometimes they have, you know, ground turkey, but they always have fruits and vegetables there and they are happy they can eat. Building on that though, with that food insecurity, we began talking with the people over at the student cupboard and we networked last year enough so that our students now can apply for CalFresh, which is a monetary stipend if they qualify, if their income is low enough, so that they get monthly money that can be used towards groceries. And I can't tell you the happiness uh, that came from that last spring when our students started getting approved and they started obtaining money every month so they could actually eat and if they eat, they're going to perform well academically, and they're going to sleep well, and they are going to be successful. So the, the tangible academic things are there with tutoring and support. But again, we try to look at that whole student. And with only 34, I think we can do a really good job of keeping an eye on all 34 of them at a time and really make sure that they're doing well outside of the classroom, eating, and there's mental health resources at Fresno State here at the Student Health Center, lots of peer support groups, free counseling. There are lots of resources here, and we have a very strong working relationship with the, the Student Health Center and their mental health services because the, those stressors are very real, especially this time in our country where there's so many triggers uh, we're well aware of it, and we really do care about the health and well-being of our students beyond the scope of learning how to be a PT. I'm just going to say that those resources show that your school and your faculty really care about you, like genuinely. Yes, I am very lucky where I'm at. Um, I am very lucky to have an incredible support system here at Fresno State. Truly, everybody that we communicated with here on campus has been so supportive and so helpful and for students that maybe didn't do their undergraduate work here and they come here, they are just one student last week at orientation. She came up to me, thanked me for the orientation. She goes, I just have to tell you, everybody is so nice here. And I was just like, I mean, it's just how we work here at Fresno State. But I was like, thank you so much. I said, we really, we really take that to heart because that is our mission um, is really to make every student successful. And that is successful outside of the classroom as well. So it was reassuring to hear on day one that you know, they really felt um, what we're really trying to deliver and, and make everybody feel like they have a place and they're valued and they're heard. I can really appreciate that as someone who's gone through a program before. I'm telling you, you need to eat. Your brain needs glucose. You need it to be successful. So make sure that you're utilizing those resources if they're available to you. So I think, I think that those are excellent resources every, from everything you mentioned from mentoring other students within the program. And it, you can definitely tell that you, your staff cares about their students. And I'm sure students can see that from day one, even when they're at their interview. So speaking of the interview process, for a student who does apply to your program, what can they expect on the timeline of a decision? And then at your interview days, what can a student expect during the course of the day? And additionally, I have another bonus question. How can a student best prepare for your interview specifically? Sure, uh, it, it, if they get invited for the interview, generally the decision letters for interview invites um, occur in December. So we use PTCAS, closes October 1st, uh, sort through the applications, make our decision for interview um, in December. Our interviews are traditionally the end of January. Prior to COVID, we did a face-to-face -face 
fabulous on-site interview where we integrated our current students in the interview process. They toured the campus with our students. They went into the research labs, our cadaver lab. They had one-on-one -on -one time with our current students so they could ask questions that maybe they didn't wanna ask during the faculty interview panels. But their interview itself, it's generally groups of three or four students with one core faculty and one community clinician is paired with that faculty. And they're asked a series of six to eight questions on average. Um, so they're in the interview session about 45 minutes to an hour. And it's during that time we really look for, you know, your level of professionalism. How do you interact with others? How can you think on your feet? Uh, and, and so much more than that in, in the face-to-face -face interview. Last year, we did all of our interviews over Zoom, which actually went fairly well. Our students uh, still came on Zoom and did virtual tours where they had recorded earlier in the semester, basically walking around campus and showing them our research labs, showing them where the library was, showing them our on-campus um, classrooms and labs and student conference room. So last year was a little different on Zoom. The beauty is also when you're done with your tour, you're done with your interview, there's a question and answer time with me, the chair um, of the program. And I think last year on Zoom, I got so many more questions than I've ever gotten when they come face to face. And I don't know if it's security that they can just type it in the chat box and they didn't have to ask it versus a face to face. They want to raise their hand in, in the classroom and ask me a question, but it was I thought the experience was a lot more rich that way. And if one person had the question, a lot of people were there, I could see them nodding their heads like they wanted to know too. So once the interview happens in January, traditionally then we crunch all the numbers and within about two weeks, uh, we start with the acceptance letters. So it's the latest is generally the end of February for an August start. So you guys mentioned, so you mentioned you crunch the numbers. Do you not look at their stats before you interview them or do you just look at all their supplemental information? Oh, I love that question. Thank you, Brianna, for I tell you that. Our interview panels are blinded to their GPA, to really to their whole application. Because if they have gotten to the level of being invited for an interview, we're at an even playing field for the interview. So they are, they are completely blind. Only our admissions panel has access to, you know, cumulative GPA, community service hours, volunteer hours. That is away from the people that are doing the interview. So do those pieces factor into our equation? Yes, after the interview, but the people interviewing are completely blinded to their status. They don't know that, oh, I'm interviewing a 4.0 student. Oh, this student over here is a 3.3, oh my gosh. I mean, I joke, but we, we don't we want to eliminate all of that because we know that all of the 4.0 students are not going to be the best physical therapists because there's so much more that makes you a physical therapist than your GPA. And the interview is our time to really see that and our time to get to see who they are, see their personality, see how they respond even to the other people in their panel, because that tells us so much. I mean, are they listening to others? Are they caring? Or are they just so focused on themselves? And, and that factors into, you know, kind of the student body we want to represent Fresno State for the next three years. So we love the interviews because we get so much from it. But yeah, the blinding piece is fabulous um, because you don't know who you're interviewing. And I love it. If they've earned a strong mark on their interview, 
they have rightly so earned that strong mark with no bias walking in. That's awesome. I do enjoy hearing that places are doing that because you think about in the clinic, your patient isn't going to ask your GPA. They're going to ask, they might like ask where you went to school just to be like, oh, how's like, did you see the football game the other day? They're not, they just want to make sure you're a good caring person who's going to listen to them. So I would say from what I'm hearing from you, the best way to prepare for the interview is to actively listen to the other people who are in the interview be yourself and answer the question in a professional and kind manner. I would support that 100%. And please let us see really who you are. Don't practice it so much that it comes off stage. And I don't know how I can say that without really saying, I'm just gonna say, sometimes it sounds so rehearsed. We don't want rehearsed. We don't want a perfect answer. We want your answer. We've had some people very real. They, we ask them a tough question and Sometimes it brings up a lot of emotions and, and their emotions come out their eyeballs and they're crying and that's okay too. It's real. It happens. Um, it is what it is, but we like to really see who you are, not what you think we want, because we, we're not after the, you know, on paper, perfect 4.0 student. There's so much more that makes you a strong applicant. I think that's excellent advice for anybody who's trying to attend your school or even going to a different school. So I did want to ask one more question about your interview process. You guys are after the traffic rules. I forget what the acronym is. It's the one where you have to submit a deposit by the 15th. So you guys are after that. So once you get that decision letter about two or so weeks later, how long do you usually give students to accept or deny and put down a deposit? Generally, it's a two-week window. Um, with COVID, I might, I believe we extended it last year. That was just due to outstanding circumstances. Um, but I can confirm that with our admissions coordinator, but it's generally a two week window where they have to put their deposit down and secure their place. Or on the flip side, they say, thank you very much. And, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else. I was accepted at my, you know, school that's close to my home and I don't wish to move. And I fully understand and support that as well. Figured it out. It is the ACAP traffic rules. Yes, correct. Yes. So for anybody listening to this, make sure you see if your school is requiring any sort of deposit before or after January 15th, because you got to see, you got to make sure you put a deposit down. So you save your spot if it is a problem. So making sure you're doing that. So for the students that are applying for your program, some of them are coming straight from undergrad as traditional students per se, or do you guys offer a three and three program? We do not at this point. No. Okay. So you're either taking students who are coming from a full bachelor's undergraduate degree, or students may have done something else as a non-traditional student, such as myself, gone off and got a different degree, came on back after a few years out of college. So no matter what the case is, any of these people are probably experiencing some sort of first day jitters. What can a student expect on the first day or week of classes in your program? Uh, Couldn't come at a better time, Brianna. Um, We just had, like I said, our new student orientation, actually a week ago today. And at that orientation, we spend the first about four hours getting to know the students. Um, we, you hear the word icebreakers, but it's more than that. It's time with the students. It's the first couple hours are time as a cohort where we really work on letting those 34 students integrate together. And then we bring in faculty um, and we spend over an hour at a lunch period. And last week we did 
giant size Jenga. We did cornhole with them. We played Uno. We there was another game. I can't remember what it was. I did not win, but we got to engage with them in a totally different setting where we could see a little more of them. They could certainly see us, you know, trying to throw a bean bag in this hole as cornhole, and I'm bad. Um, but it was a nice piece to just calm the nerves and let everybody see that we're all human beings and it's all going to be okay. And we really are here for each other. That's the biggest piece of it. We also integrate our second and third year students on day two of orientation so that they immediately have a connection with current students for questions, um, for anything. And our students are fabulous and fulfilling that role. They love to come back because they remember what it was like to be a brand new student. And they can't wait to be asked to come back at orientation to help the new students show up. So that's probably the first big things we do is we connect them early with each other. And then we connect them with peers in different cohorts. And we connect them with faculty. Uh, the second day we did root beer floats at the end of orientation. And we sat with your faculty advisor and, and just talked, what are you going to do this weekend? What are you most worried about for PT school? Just to kind of low stakes, just talking. So again, I think that connection early on is made and they feel so much more supported that they're just ready to start uh, Monday morning. And we just started four days ago with our first class and they showed up at 8 a.m. smiling and ready. And I have to say, I don't think I saw jitters that they were probably nervous, I no doubt, but they seemed really confident with themselves and knew where everything was and so far so good. So I'm, I'm happy with our orientation schematics because I, it seems to calm the nerves of, of our students. I think that that's awesome because I feel like sometimes those icebreakers can be kind of cheesy, but as long as everyone's starting to get comfortable and it's just kind of becoming a fun time. I, I do enjoy that because I feel like people's like true nature comes out when they're playing cornhole. Oh, I oh, really yes. do. No. It, yeah, I agree. It's a lot of fun. I, I always like doing that with people that I worked with or something like that. You start to relax a little bit and I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I would agree. You guys just started your first week this week. And as of the day I'm recording this, it is August 26, 2021. And so you're on an August start, as we mentioned before, students, the application is due by October 1st. Correct. Yes, it is the preceding year. Yes. And interviews will start in January, January, after you guys review it in December. Awesome. Just a good little recap for everybody. And, oh, this is a good question. Are you guys on rolling admissions? No, you're not. No, we are not. You are not on rolling admissions. We are not. So. For students applying to your program, as long as you get it, it doesn't need to be verified or submitted by the first. Submitted and then the verification for GPA and transcripts and every piece is included. That takes PTCAS an additional two or three weeks to get to us. Um, But we recommend that our applicants try to get their applications done like early mid-September, just in case PTCAS catches something that isn't fully there, maybe they'll figure it out before the October 1st deadline. For us at PreBT Grind, a lot of the students that we serve really want to be hearing this question. So that's, there's a lot of students out there that might've had a rough start to their journey and might have ended up with lower grades, especially during that first year transitioning from high school to college, or maybe they found themselves in a situation where they did another career and they came back later saying, actually, I would like to do PT. So 
At Pre-PT Grind, our mission is to help push and guide these students to take the correct course of action to ultimately end up in PT school. For a student who might have that lower GPA, what do you recommend that student do? I can only speak for our program in terms of GPA requirements. We um, have a minimum of 3.0 and we are looking at the cumulative GPA. I know other programs do prerequisite GPAs or they'll do upper division science. We do cumulative GPA. We've run statistics every which way. And that is the one piece that seems to be predictive of their success in PT school. So with that, the biggest piece of advice is reach out to the admissions, either panel or coordinator of the program you're looking to apply to if you have a grade that you're worried about. These folks, this is their job. They can guide you on perhaps which class to retake that would give you the biggest bump in your GPA. For example, say in chemistry, you got a C. I know I did way back when, when I was looking to apply to PT school and I thought my career was over. But if you replace the C with an A, say before that your GPA was 3.2 and then you retake chemistry and you replace it with an A, oftentimes it bounces up to 3.5. So you have to be smart and a little strategic with which classes you're going to repeat to strengthen your GPA. The admissions coordinator, that's their job. They can tell you where to invest your time and your money to get that GPA bump. For some folks, they do well with like an online GPA calculator. They can start punching in, if I retake physics or I retake, uh, I don't know, statistics, how much of a bump would that be? But I know chemistry and physics, those are generally heavier weighted, more units. So they seem to increase GPAs the fastest. So that's the best bet is to look at replacing one or two classes and each university has their own criteria for how many they let you remediate or retake to count towards your overall GPA. That's, I mean, speaking just for Fresno State and our admissions coordinator meets with students nonstop about that um, and how to strengthen an application. And sometimes it's not GPA for us of why they don't get in. It's where we started way back when we started talking, Brianna, it was about those soft skills, that, that extracurricular volunteer work, um, being part of a campus club, being part of a community club or a community organization and volunteering, even volunteering outside of physical therapy. Again, well-rounded applicant. And I can't tell you how many times we are counseling people that are denied the first time admission because those are areas of deficit. And in those cases, those are fun and easy fixes to strengthen your application for the following application period. You can start volunteering, you can get with an organization on campus, shoot, everybody is in dire need of volunteers right now from food pantries to um, school reading clubs, after school tutoring, whatever it might be, uh, just blanked meals on wheels. We need community support. And we love when our applicants come back on their you know, essays and tell us how they strengthen their application and it just, and what they learned from that. And they're a very strong applicant from that. So oftentimes for us, it's not GPA. Um, it's other non-tangible academic pieces, but I understand for a lot of folks it is tied to GPA, and I would highly recommend you connect 
with your admissions coordinator to figure out which classes are best to retake to bump your GPA up the fastest. And just a follow-up question for that, is that 3.0 GPA a very hard cutoff, like you're not reviewing any applicants that are underneath that? We are uh, a 99.9% .9 hard cutoff. We allow people that have a 2.9998 to submit a letter of why we should review their application. And that goes to the admissions panel and they review that and decide whether or not it will be accepted. So um, I, they're not accepted very often. Um, it's generally come, we counsel them with either retaking a class that would bump them to that 3.1 or 3.2. Fresno State is rather unique in that we're looking to keep our community individuals here in our community. And if you meet the minimum criteria for applying to Fresno State, so that 3.0 GPA and your volunteer hours, and you are either went to high school and we call it like the neighboring counties, which would be Fresno, Tulare, Madera, Merced, Stanislaus, there's a couple others, you are automatically invited for an interview. It's an initiative on our campus where we are really looking to be inclusive, promote diversity, and give back to our community. So we have quite a big push um, for that to keep them local, turn them back out, and they return local and help where they grew up in their own counties. So we have a slightly different criteria um, for an interview for those people that grew up around here and or did their undergraduate at Fresno State. So you could be somebody not from the area, but you got your bachelor's degree here at Fresno State, you meet the minimum criteria all the way around, you are invited for an interview because our goal and our hope is that you will stay here and you will meet the needs of our Central Valley. That is, I've never heard that before from a school, but I do think there is a big push nowadays to keep people in the community, especially because a lot of these communities are underserved. So. 100% agree, and, and Fresno in the Central Valley, it's predominantly minority um, individuals that are here. Our campus population is over 60% Hispanic. Um, our DPT student population is, is, I don't think we have a majority. Uh, so we are very reflective of the campus. We're very reflective of the community. And that's ideally what you want. You want to have providers taking care of you that look like you sometimes. And that's a good thing. So Fresno State's uh, one of their kind of mantras is be bold. And this is a bold initiative. And it's really to support the kind of our mission of discovery, diversity and distinction. That's who Fresno State is. And, and this is a, a big piece of it. I think that's great. I think that's all great advice. And I do appreciate what your school is doing with the community. And just in regards to the application process, do make sure for anybody listening to this that you do calculate your GPA because you don't want to be underneath that 3.0 and applying to schools that do have this very hard cutoff because it's kind of wasting your money, unfortunately. So I don't know if, if you agree with that. <laughs> no, it is, but also look around. There are some schools, even here in California and some neighboring CSU schools that I think they're, I'm fairly confident, I don't think, I'm fairly confident that they don't have a 3.0 and that sometimes they're a 2.9, they're a 2.75, they're a 2.8. So it's finding kind of where you fit 
um, in that spectrum and also do some research on that school? Is that a place where you would feel comfortable and you would be successful for the next three years? Yeah. And I think anybody who's has those questions, just reach out to your admissions person liaison that is going to be in charge of that. So for your school specifically, who is that? Our admissions coordinator is Ashley Beelan. That is, uh, and it's, she's all over our webpage and she does group advising, one-on-one -on -one advising. Um, as of right now, though, she is now buried deep in reviewing applications. So uh, advising now defers to faculty on our admissions committee and they continue with monthly group advising as well as one-on-one -on -one advising to review things. We love when we get even freshmen uh, come to an advising session because that's where we can really lay out the next four or five years for you so you are successful. It's very hard when we see you in our office and you're ready to apply and you say, hey, Dr. Jenna, I've got a, a 2.8. Do you think I can get in? And you're a senior and I can't help you too much from there. We love the earlier, the better. So freshman, sophomore year, start to connect with those people on campus. Most universities have admissions, either faculty to talk to or coordinators or staff, and they can get you on a very well thought out, successful plan. And do you advise students who might be non-traditional, like myself, to retake courses at a local community college or local college to try to bump up their GPA? Every college has different requirements in terms of length since your last course. Some are seven years. I won't take a course beyond seven years old. Some are 10 years old. So I would check recommend you check each university. I'm not sure I'm a big supporter of that because you are immersed in, for you, uh, Brianna, you're in the world of healthcare and PT every day. And that to me is much richer than telling you to go take chemistry again. I'm not sure what I would gain from that. That is true. Making sure that students check and see if it is seven or 10 or five. And then if right. it is an issue, I know for me personally, one of my classes was six years old. I took it at the court at the same university I'm applying to. So they were kind of, they were a little bit more understanding about that. I was like, Hey, this one is six years old. And then, but like, Hey, and they're like, no, that's fine. It's fine. It's, it's all good. They just don't want to see that most of your courses have been taken like 10 years ago oh, right. or something like that. So if you're um, a couple of years out of school, they're probably okay. If you took all your classes, those last two years. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. And I definitely do recommend if you're a freshman get on it immediately. Cause that's one of the things that I regret is not knowing what I was doing, but it's kind of hard because sometimes you don't know what you want to do until later. Well, that, and that's a great point too, but and also you may find out you come talk to, you know, get an advising session and all of a sudden you're now doing some volunteer work in a research lab with one of our faculty. And then you learn about other things and you get connected with, you know, other current students and you just kind of assimilate a lot easier and they have a lot more guidance and help that way. So reaching out early is never a bad thing. It's only going to help you. I 100% agree. So to wrap all of this up, what is the one piece of advice you would give any applicant on their pre-PT journey? Oh my goodness. One piece. I have more than one piece. <laughs> it can be more than one. Okay, most, I got people, more than one. <laughs> most people have like, okay, let me go down my list. So yeah. go for it. I, I, I don't know. Mine's probably more holistic. If you haven't gathered, that's really the student we're looking for um, here at Fresno State, but know yourself. And I think I've alluded to that too. You want to find somewhere that it could be a very strong school on paper, but 
it might not be the right fit for you. Be okay with that. You have to go somewhere where you are going to be successful in and out of that classroom for three years and maybe extend beyond that and stay and work there. So really know yourself because I really believe that kind of a sign of maturity is really being able to have that self-reflection and understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And that's sometimes hard to answer because we want to please everybody as healthcare workers, but connect with those people around you, use your resources, take the time to build those relationships because that's going to endure well beyond PT school. And, And finally, what I tell all of our students, have some grace with yourself. No one, and I mean, no one expects you to know everything. No one. That is why you're here. We are going to teach you and it's okay. So have some grace with yourself and just be comfortable with you and just immerse yourself in the opportunity to be part of a, of a DPT program. Because if you're in the right place and it feels good, it is going to be the most amazing experience of your life. And, and that's all we hope for is that we, you all find that right place and the right fit for you. I agree. And you're going to get in the clinic and you're still looking stuff up. I had a patient the other day, he had a cordoma. I had no idea what it was. I had to go Google it. Apparently it's so rare. Learning is like I said, I'm learning every day. And I've been 22 years in, uh, that's how long I've been practicing. So yeah, I still kind of get stumped now and then, which is okay. Be resourceful, understand where your resources are. Yep. I think you've given some great advice to not only students interested in your school, but any of the other schools out there that they're applying to. And I can definitely say, if you are interested in applying to any school in California, every single place I've talked to, they are huge, huge, huge on community service and volunteer hours. So Keep that in mind. And if you don't know how to highlight it in your application, have one of your letters of rec speak on it and speak on how you've helped out other people. How many letters of rec do you guys require? We require three letters of recommendation or applications. Awesome. So there you go, guys. Well, that wraps up all of the questions I have for you today. So thank you for joining me today, Dr. Jenna. And do you have any other questions for me going forward? I do not, Brianna. Thank you so much. And thank you to PrePT Grind uh, for this opportunity to share information, not only about Fresno State, but about as a future career in a DPT program. And we really wish you the best of luck. What's up, guys? It's Casey, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. Now, this episode was sponsored by the Acceptance Navigator series, which is a free four-part Pre-PT video series where we teach you exactly how to take full control of your PT school acceptance journey, as well as how to find clarity and direction as a Pre-PT so that you can dominate your application regardless of your GPA, GRE score, or your dreaded fear of rejection. So learn how to take the driver's seat, the driver's seat of your acceptance journey and to not leave your acceptance just up to chance by shooting in the dark and hoping for the best as an applicant. Like this is the most value we've ever given away and it's free and it's free. So take full control of your pre-PT journey today by going to www.acceptancenavigator.com, www.acceptancenavigator.com. This episode was also brought to you by our friends at ptschoolprobe.com. That's ptschoolprobe.com. Now, one of the biggest fatal application mistakes that thousands of PT school applicants make each year is when applying to PT school without even like having the right match for you as an applicant. So partnering up with our friends at ptschoolprobe.com 
has made this problem a thing of the past. PT School Pro makes it extremely easy to like, just you plug in what you want, you click this, you click that, and boom, it spits out exactly what you're looking for in the school, whether it's cost, location, clinicals, this and that. You put it in, you do, 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 and that's it. That's it. It spits out exactly what you're looking for. No more stress, no more searching, no more anxiety. Put in what you want, and bam, the right matches for you and what you're looking for pop up just like that. So to get matched and locked into your perfect DPT school program, go to ptschoolprobe.com. That's www.ptschoolprobe, like P-R-O-B-E.com, ptschoolprobe.com, and use our code PREPTGRIND in all lowercase to get a discount and let them know that your good friends at PREPTGRIND sent you on over. Like this will save you hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars by making sure that you apply to the right schools. So again, ptschoolprobe.com. That's www.ptschoolprobe.com and use our code PREPTGRIND in all lowercase. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you on the next one.